Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and I'm so grateful to have you joining us for this episode, which is very wellness focused. And we are talking about reconnecting with your body to live an optimal life. We are joined today by special guest Renee Simons. Renee is a registered massage therapist and owner of Spectrum Massage Therapy. For the past 16 years, she has built a practice which focuses on helping people reconnect with their body to live an optimal life. Using a whole person approach, Renee assists patients to find the root cause of their dysfunction rather than chasing symptoms. She has a passion for working with those struggling with digestive issues, women's health complaints, and anxiety. So thank you so much for being here today, Renee. I'm excited. I love conversations about wellness, and this is very much focused on our bodies, and I think it's an important conversation for us to be having. So thank you so much. You are a wealth of knowledge. I've heard you speak a few times now, and I love learning what you have to say, and um, I know you're very passionate about the work you do, so this is great because you get to share that passion now with the audience and listeners today. Um, So can you start by telling us just a little bit about your journey? and what brought you to where you are today in your career? Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. This is it's so great, great fun to join you and chat about all these things that are, you know, my interests. So I have been a massage therapist since 2004. I started out uh, with a kinesiology degree at Simon Fraser University in BC and thought, I love the body. Um, How can I kind of connect with people and help them in their health journey? And that took me through a bit of a process of elimination and ultimately landed me looking at massage therapy school. So at the time, it was a 3,000 hour, three year full time program that I did. And within that, uh, in my third year, we had an advanced techniques course that exposed us to myofascial and connective tissue work. Uh, along with the visceral manipulation work. So for me, this was a really interesting uh, technique and approach that really looked at root cause versus just treating symptoms. And it appealed to my problem solving kind of nerdiness, which I really, really thrived and liked. So since then, um, my mentor is an osteopath. So a lot of these techniques, the visceral manipulation techniques in particular came out of the osteopathy world. And I've geared my post-secondary learning to something in the realms of organs, fascia, and the nervous system. So it's kind of a nice toolkit to offer to clients who might have explored some other manual therapies or traditional therapies and still just feel like something's missing. And so together we kind of work to find what's really driving some of their dysfunction. 
So it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of what I love to do. I love helping people. And I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to do that every day. Yeah. I love that. And the whole, the problem solving thing. I'm such a fan of that too, in my business. So I'm like, that's my favorite part is the, yeah, figuring the, figuring out and working through it. So actually looking at the root cause, I love that about your approach. So, um, with, um, the, I always say it wrong, like, okay, myo, myofascia and visceral manipulation. Can you talk a little bit more about that then for listeners who might not have been, you know, ever exposed to that or understand that and kind of what that is and the difference between that and maybe like a kind of what we see as like a traditional massage or just like a relaxation massage or something like that. Definitely. Um, so most people are familiar with traditional massage therapy where there's some sort of oil or lotion and, you know, there's sort of these gliding strokes. And so the way those, um, whether it's deep tissue or relaxation kind of Swedish work is they work to manipulate the soft tissues, create maybe some circulatory effects, um, help the nervous system relax. But we also have other tissues in the body, connective tissue or fascia is one of them. And so we might be a little more familiar with things like foam rolling, right? Um, as a way to address fascia, that connective tissue compartmentalizes us, divides our body into different um, sections. It wraps everything together. It holds structures together. So things like ligaments and tendons or connective tissue. Um, our muscles have lots of layers of connective tissue in them. So I like the component of how connected that tissue is through our body. So the way we can work with it is slightly different in the sense that we don't use any oil or lotion. It's a dry technique. Um, but we're looking at trying to create space in the body, maybe um, change how the body perceives tightness in a particular area. Fascia is really connected to our nervous system. So we can get some really great changes in really short, tight tissue. Um, scar tissue, for example, is a big way we will use myofascial release. Um, so maybe you've heard of rolfing or Heller work. They're all different types of myofascial work. Um, so I kind of keep it as a general term and we're looking at, you know, that connective tissue in the body. Visceral manipulation is then looking at the fascia or the connective tissue that covers an organ. Um, and again, lots of stuff inside, but not a lot of space. So whoever it was that figured out how we all work together relied on the premise that those internal structures would have some glide between the two of them. Uh, between those fascial membranes. So visceral manipulation is looking at, are there restrictions in the mobility um, of a tissue? Uh, we'll look at the ligaments or the attachments that hold the organs in place or connect them to one another. Uh, so lots of people say, well, like, how can you really touch an organ? Fair point, right? And some of the deeper structures, we're not directly touching them. Uh, again, there's a big neurological connection. So we can look at some of the more superficial structures and load the tissue to create an effect in a deeper structure. Um, but much like when you see your doctor in the office and he sort of pushes on your belly, we can feel where the liver should be. We should feel, you know, colon or ovaries, uterus, bladder. They're pretty superficial organs. Uh, the way I look at these both myofascial and visceral work is that we're putting in sensory information to your tissues for your body, for your brain to interpret. So sometimes when you have any type of work and you feel that release, 
that everyone describes um, or that change in tone. It's really your nervous system, your brain saying, I feel safe with this um, and creating a change. And so the visceral work uh, works in a similar manner, really gentle, um, but we're looking at ways to create better um, relationships between the tissues surrounding it and then potentially function. Our organs are kind of neat in the sense that they poke their neighbors and say, well, you tell her. So they create a lot of referred pain. So low back pain could pot potentially come from your colon, for example. So those kind of relationships are neat and they're things that we would look at in the realm of a visceral manipulation treatment. Yeah. Um, okay. That's so interesting. Like the yeah, the kind of the science behind it. It's very interesting. And so understand, like, what do people often then like come to you with, or so are you saying it's kind of like pains like that? And it's sort of, um, they haven't been able to solve what it could be, or, um, is that primarily what you're seeing or? Yeah. So I see people kind of fall into two categories. They're often, I'm having a specific issue or dysfunction maybe digestively for example and so they come with the thought that okay well let's look at those particular structures associated with digestion and can we create some positive change um, same with like uh, women's health a reproductive issue uh, and then there are people who come and they just have something a little more um, diffuse say or they'll say like I have low back pain and so we might look at obviously the musculoskeletal component of it, but we may also explore then what are some other relationships that maybe some of the organs or those tissues might be creating your back pain that you're having trouble resolve or your knee pain or your shoulder pain. So people either are coming because they specifically want that visceral component or they're just not really sure. And we're maybe trying out like, could this be a, another connection in there? Yeah. And what can they expect then when they come in? Like, what does that look like? The kind of the initial or the, even an appointment, what is that? What can mm -hmm. they expect? So typical, like any other um, manual therapist, we'll do some assessment, right? We'll take a history. We'll do some assessment and we might look at if it's a mobility or a pain issue, what challenges or restrictions or limitations you have. Um, and based on the assessments, then we'll look at um, treatments. So for my personal practice, I ask clients to come in a pair of shorts and maybe a tank top or a sports bra for women. So it's a fairly active process. It's not like a traditional massage where you lay on your tummy and then lay on your back and, you know, fall asleep. Uh, so we might have you seated, side lying, um, laying face up on your back. Um, it's a gentle kind of solid static pressure usually, even if we're looking at just myofascial release, no oil, no lotion. Um, and we might look at working in areas that are further from where you're experiencing your symptoms. So it's really looking at you as a whole, looking at all the systems and are they integrating together? So while it's an active you and I work together kind of treatment, most people end up leaving still feeling very relaxed and hopefully, you know, a change in their symptoms, but it might look at, you know, somewhere between four to five sessions that we work together to create some change. Um, and typically for me, if someone's not experiencing, we're not meeting the goals that we're trying to achieve, then, then we'll reevaluate and maybe look at some other options, but it's, different from a traditional kind of relaxation massage in, in my context, for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And can we talk about, I think like my, I think there's a lot of female listeners um, on for this podcast. So can we talk about some of maybe the um, big sort of women's issues that you see coming in or what um, maybe women have maybe are going through and they don't even realize that it's a result of some of these things that they can actually fix yes. or there's something they can do about it? Absolutely. So this is, as you know, one of my like big passions, women's health, Um, you know, in women's health, we normalize a lot. So it starts out really young, right? We're told as young females that your period is this terrible, horrible thing. So um, painful periods, common, not normal. Um, So all of the accompanying kind of PMS related symptoms of low back bloating, you know, really painful cramping. These are things that we can work with. Uh, to help normalize. Uh, Amongst other kind of interventions, um, we can look at things like endometriosis, uh, fibroids or cysts, um, any type of bladder incontinence. So, you know, you're a woman, you've had a baby, now you can't ever go on a trampoline again. We all kind of have this thought, right? Again, common, but not normal. Um, So we'll look at incontinence or pelvic floor support. Um, I think one of the really big common misconceptions out there is that any type of pelvic floor issue is usually because of weakness. And it's more common that women actually have too tight of a pelvic floor. So this can lead to low back pain, hip pain, um, sometimes even like pain lower in the body that we just don't connect with our pelvic floor. So those are really common women's health kind of um, dysfunctions. Constipation is a huge one. Uh, I talk about poop all day long and it's such an important function for us on a lot of levels. But again, sort of that normalization of, well, maybe I go once every couple of days or I have to strain, these aren't normal bowel movements. So these are some pretty big common things that a lot of women will come in with. Um, you know, we just, we get her done, right? We just keep going. We have little people or other people in our lives we care for. Um, and so if we can address some of these things earlier, it can be a relatively easy return to function and health. Um, but sometimes we leave it and then we're looking at surgical interventions. And so sometimes women have also had things like hysterectomies, um, and just, aren't back to a nice functional um, way of living. And that's also um, another area that I will treat to help resolve any sort of residual like post-op kind of uh, discomfort or dysfunction. Yeah, I love that because I think um, you're right. Like we think it's it's normal or we just decide, you know, you have a baby and you're like, well, my body's never going to be the same. And you just feel like you have to accept and So knowing that there is actually strategies and things we can do um, to get our bodies back to that, or it doesn't have to be normal. uh, That's kind of like mind blowing to, because we just like adapt and we just go, okay, this is probably just how it's going to be. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a common thing. You know, Um, I think if things were falling out of men or they couldn't do certain activities, there would be a lot more awareness around it, but you know, women just, we, we just keep going. So there are lots of treatment options out there. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And so you're saying like from these treatments, like women who might've had some of these issues, um, whether it be like, like the whole, the whole sneeze pee or the, um, constipation, things like that, like that they can actually feel better and that 
stuff goes away and yes yeah we can have resolution with that sometimes there's a a need for some other interventions maybe like pelvic health physio um, as well but that's also you know a bulk of working to see is there a need for a referral Uh, but yeah lots of things lots of these issues can be resolved and get you back to a normal healthy function yeah is this for women too? Cause I myself um, had a C-section for my delivery. So is there issues associated different with um, women who give like natural birth versus C-section? Absolutely. Um, and both can kind of have their own uh, set of outcomes, um, but C-sections, right? It's a really deep scar. So again, sometimes we don't equate maybe um, the heaviness that we feel um, discomfort with intercourse or wearing a tampon or a menstrual cup, um, hip pain, low back pain, um, you know, can result from a C-section scar. So the myofascial work, the visceral work can help address that as well. Uh, Even just sort of reconnecting that area of the body. Some women struggle with numbness or just sort of that off feeling in sensation. So we can help to resensitize that as well. Um, you know, and just because we've had a normal vaginal delivery, sometimes we have some, some dysfunctions as well. If our delivery was really fast, really long, um, our birthing position can displace some of the internal organs. Um, and again, you just don't quite feel the same as you did prior. So that's where that visceral work can help to kind of just resettle that internal real estate, um, and give you a sense of being back to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's good. Good information for us to know. Um, And then for digestive issues, like I think that's such a big one with women. Is there anything that you can kind of comment or suggest for digestive issues? Yeah. I mean, digestive issues are a pretty common complaint nowadays. Um, So we know there's a lot of connection from what we call the gut brain axis, right? So looking at one, the bulk of um, the neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, which are like motivation, satiety, um, our gut produces those. So if we're seeing some, maybe some mood dysfunction, is there an accompanying um, digestive dysfunction? Um, the bulk of our digestive tract has uh, an innervation from a particular cranial nerve that also we know connects into things like anxiety. Um, So there's a big connection neurologically to the function of our digestive tract. Um, So those would be things that we could explore as treatment um, to look at. Do we have good signaling? Do we have proper um, sort of alignment in the body with those tissues or is just something under tension? Maybe we've had a previous injury or trauma that creates tension um, that you know, alters how our digestive tract is functioning. So for a lot of our functional um, gut issues, whether that's heartburn, indigestion, or GERD, um, things like IBS or Crohn's or colitis, um, we can work viscerally to help uh, manage some of those symptoms as well. Wow. This is amazing. It's like mind blowing. (laughs) I love guts. They're really, they're really cool. (laughs) It is. And I think we don't really give it that much, you know, like you're saying that connection and how important it is and how important our gut health is. Um, And we're starting to hear more about it and learn more about it, but um, it's a good reminder that that's a, a big, important part of the whole, our body's functioning too. Yeah. I think we get used to just feeling kind of cruddy sometimes, right? So sometimes once we've had a bit of resolution or improvement, 
we can actually realize like, oh, I've been feeling really not great for quite some time. Yeah. And didn't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that living our best lives, our optimal lives, like we said. Um, um, Can you talk about, so I guess kind of um, what, what would I want to say? Oh, like the sitting at a desk job. Cause I, th- I think of like my job and I think a lot of maybe listeners have those types of jobs where you're at a desk. Um, maybe your desk now is now a kitchen table or whatever that looks like due to COVID or your new home office setup. Um, can you give us some suggestions for what we can do maybe, or what you see with that? Cause I think we, we hear the harm, I guess it would cause causes us that sitting all day or sitting a lot of the time. Can we chat a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a lot of people's reality, right? So we can't do away with our profession. So, you know, some people have the option of a sit-stand desk, which is great. We might have the ability to look at changing out our seating, uh, maybe for one, uh, like a uh, exercise ball to sit on. Um, it's hard to slouch on those. Uh, but also simply, uh, I'm a really big advocate of eye breaks. So how our eyes uh, are positioned, connect to those little muscles at the base of your skull, right? So we can all think about how we get really tight and tense at the back of our neck. Um, So eye position can really affect that. So throughout your day, you can set a little timer or every so often is to look up into the distance for 20 seconds and do this maybe once every 20 minutes and try and look 20 feet away. So it's sort of 20, 20, 20. Um, but that position, your brain is always actually trying to get your eyes to look up, right? Survival mechanism, looking for the saber-toothed tiger. Um, so if we're always looking down at a screen when we're at a desk, that can really ramp up that neck and shoulder tension that you're feeling. So just taking some basic eye breaks uh, can be really helpful. Okay. So looking up. Okay. Into the distance. Into the distance. And yes. we have to make sure our kids are doing that too, because with all the devices and things like that, it's like our kids are looking down at these devices sometimes and you're just like, no, stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Break your focus for a moment. Okay. So that's good for us to know and our children. Um what about like sleep tips? I think that's like a big um, concern or issue people have sometimes is sleep habits or having issue with sleep. Um that's when I like to learn a bit more about. <laughs> I yeah. would like a better sleep. Yeah. We all need better sleep. Sleep's when we heal. Um, and so now there's a lot of talk about sleep hygiene, right? So at the end of the day, thinking about, you know, can you start to dim your lights uh, instead of being under like bright lights? Can you maybe start to limit your technology at least an hour before bed? Uh, there's some research to connect blue light. So light coming off of some of our lighting, uh, but and our technology basically tells our brain it's noon, right? That wavelength of light we register as that sort of midday. So if we look at kind of nature cycle in the morning, sunrise is this lovely infrared red stream of light. And that actually starts to trigger your brain to start producing its melatonin for the evening. So what makes us sleepy and ready to go to bed? Um, So getting up with sunrise, if you can, and getting outside is great. And then that's why we like sunset as as well. Sunset is ultraviolet and again, starts to just shift your circadian rhythm into sleep. Um, And so that blue light is smack in the middle of the day. Um, So if you can look at, um, there's different apps that will tint your screens orange and red if you're going to consume 
um, tech at night or looking at some blue blocking glasses or kind of a, a, a thing that's out there right now, uh, but just trying to unplug, um, knowing that sleeping in a cool room, dark room are always things that help. Um, and I'm a big advocate of breathing. And we kind of giggle, like, I know how to breathe, but do we, do we really take big mindful breaths? Um, it's a catch-all that will address various parts of our body to, into relaxation, help calm our nervous system, and maybe prime us to get a better sleep. So even having a daily breathing practice that you do uh, right before you go to bed uh, can be really helpful as to shift you into just a calm state, ready to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I love the breathing reminder just throughout the day. Sometimes you find if you're just go, 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 do, 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 you almost feel like in a panic or something. And so you stop and you're like, Whoa, I'm not like, I'm not taking those deep breaths. Um, and, and those like deep belly breaths that are going to actually help calm everything. So we're not in that fight or flight or on edge. Yeah. There's no saber tooth tiger in the office. (laughs) We're okay. Your brain doesn't differentiate between stress, right? Whatever it is. Um, And it's interesting for women. We are also kind of conditioned to stand up straight, pull in your tummy, which innately makes you tighten your pelvic floor. So gripping all day through your abdomen can add to your abdominal discomfort, right? Um, If we're having some digestive issues, Everyone knows at the end of the day and you're like, dress pants are tight, right? But we've been like clenching in all day. Um, We don't relax our bellies and that can also help with any pelvic floor symptoms. Um, So breathing is a wonderful like catch-all to just, yeah, just let it go. Let it all hang out um, for sure. Super helpful. At least I guess during COVID, maybe people are wearing their sweatpants, right? Because yeah. you can't see the sweats on Zoom. So we can let yeah. it all out, let our bellies <laughs> breathe. Yes. No need to suck them in all day. Yeah. Um, anything else? Like those are great tips, like all around um, for, you know, different things. Like we talked about sleep and desks and, um, you know, sitting and things like that. Anything else just in general or Um, that you would want to chat about like strategies or things people can do in their daily lives to just that optimal health and and for our bodies to be in, you know, full working function? That's a good question. So many options. Um, You know, I think it's really helpful to have things that are super easy to do. Um, And so we also know that the fascia in our feet Uh, can really affect up the the chain of our body. So um, foot rolling, right? If we have a small little ball, you've got your child's little toy or a lacrosse ball, um, rolling your feet. Um, It's kind of interesting to see the change that you can feel in your knees and your hips and your low back just from rolling your foot on a a small ball uh, regularly. So that's always a neat one that we can all do at our desks or our kitchen table or whatever our offices are looking like these days. Um, you know, but just moving right. Um, right now more than ever, I think everyone needs to just move a little bit more, um, going back to that breath work or some type of, you know, mindful meditation, um, and just getting outside truly, um, I think is a good way to support your overall health, um, these days, but yeah, you know, and knowing, um, your healthcare providers are all out there um, for you at these times. Um, so don't negate the power of like actually getting some, some treatment yeah. um, is really important. 
but yeah, there's, there's, you know, I'd say, keep it simple. Um, consistency is key. If you're trying to make some health changes in your life is start small and, you know, look at what is something that you can attach to something you're already doing. If you're trying to make a healthy habit change. So if you already, uh, brush your teeth, right. Is maybe something like a cold face wash can be really calming. If you're an anxious person, um, if you're having some digestive issues, it stimulates uh, a nerve that helps connect into those. Um, but just adding it to a habit you're already doing is a great way to be consistent because that's usually what, uh, we all struggle with, right? Yeah. Like just remembering to do it. So yeah, if we connect it to something, it just triggers our memory to do that. Yeah. Um, so making it easy. I love that. Um, cause we're not trying to make it, yeah, not trying to make it hard or an extra like to do. Um, but it's, it's for you and for your benefit. Um, and yeah, I think that's an important reminder of just getting outside and moving, especially with everything that's gone on. Like if we're just not even commuting to work anymore and, you know, going into the office or to our workplaces, you're just sort of cutting out a lot of just that, um, you know, that time where you're, you're walking or you are outside or, cause if you're just like, you wake up, go to your desk and that's the day. And, um, you know, you're still, you're missing a lot of those steps that we had before. So if we can find a way to integrate those again, um, in a different way for people. Definitely. Definitely. And knowing, you know, that commute time might've been your, your solo time, right? Mm -hmm. And now if you're home with all of your family and it's just kind of everyone on top of each other, um, carving out some like solo or you by yourself time, um, is important too, uh, I think more than ever. So yes. yeah, just kind of looking at what is it that maybe you did have in your pre COVID day. Um, you know, but there's also some great benefits to now also working in different environments. So adapting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that reminder takes solo time listeners, mm -hmm. make sure you're still getting that and, and doing these types of appointments and knowing that, you know, we don't have to wait for our bodies to be literally like falling apart. We don't have to wait for a point where we can't get out of bed or we're in so much pain. It's unbearable. We can do something now to feel better. Um, and you know, that preventative or doing it now before things get worse. Absolutely. It's always easier to kind of prevent or maintain, then work back from a big crisis. Mm -hmm. That can be a little bit harder. Well, thank you so much. You're, like I said, you're a wealth of knowledge in all aspects. Like I, you have such good information and I love, you know, learning about this stuff from you. Um, where can our listeners uh, find you or how can they reach out to you? Okay. So, um, triple www.spectrummassagetherapy.com is our website. Um, our online booking system is attached to that. We are on Instagram, Facebook as well. Um, spectrum massage therapy, uh, for both of those as well. So yeah, we're, we're out there. We'd love to hear from anyone. Uh, we offer complimentary virtual consultations. So if someone does have questions, they're just not quite sure, or they're not really ready to do an in-person visit. Um, we offer that for, for our clients as well, um, oh, which can also be booked through our website. Oh, perfect. That's nice. And you guys, I've seen that you've done some events in the past too, um, for specifically for women and things like that. So that's nice to see. They can just keep, keep posted on events. I'm assuming through your website too. 
yeah, we'll hopefully be having another uh, Kegels and Cocktails coming up uh, in the new year. So again, mm -hmm. just a fun night out to, yeah, learn about women's health, um, yeah. which is, yeah, definitely kind of our passion. But yeah, we'll have, we have an events page on our website, so you can kind of take a look there or just follow us on social media for anything that's new. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Renee. That was fun. Um, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure the listeners have taken some very important information away and hopefully... Let's, let's take action for this optimal health for us. Let's make sure we are, you know, doing this, these things for ourselves because self-care is very important for our well-being. So um, thank you so much, Renee. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you. Bye. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoy listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.